Welcome, everyone. Welcome. What do you want to talk about? Well, what should we start with? Frank trying to fight a deer this morning? Maybe. That's a good start. (laughs) So Frank, which you'll hear about a lot, is this little white chihuahua cross. I think with a Jack Russell, but anyway, he's a small chihuahua. And we have lots of deer in the neighborhood. I bears from my front yard sometimes of the deer. And of course, when the deer are walking on the pass above, they usually see the dogs barking and, and keep going. Yeah. Not this one. <laughs> this one decided to come down the rock face, stare my dog down. He has been hit by a deer before. <laughs> Clearly hasn't learned his lesson. No. I have a bird bath in the front and they'll come and drink from it. And I didn't realize there was a deer there because they blend into the rocks sometimes so well. And they can be so still mm-hmm. that I just don't see them. So I opened the door and Frankie went right towards the deer. The deer ran away, but he kept chasing it. It all happened within seconds. And then the deer turned around and defended itself and hit him with his front paws. And then Frankie came running back like a little bitch, crying. <laughs> the little bitch that he is. Yeah. <laughs> I had hoped he would have learned his lesson with that. But oh, no. But nah. No. <laughs> I've never seen a deer willingly come down towards barking dogs with this one. And the look on her yeah, face. Yeah, she even stared him down. Like, <laughs> fuck around and find out, puppy dog. Yep. And I thought, well, he's going to get hit again. But he didn't, luckily. So yeah. Grateful about that. And then she came at him. Like, she yep. goaded him. Yep. And then she finally went down. And then she came back. I know. Kate peeking around the corner like, you got more <laughs> shit to say? Yep. <laughs> and I had to stand between them. <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Fuck. Where's your camera when you need it? Oh, I know, right? Yeah, I was like, I can't believe it. Yeah, like, we missed this. Yeah. Well, because I didn't have my shoes on, so I had to go back in and grab them. Because I wasn't going to run across the grass. It's all wet and poop and stuff. (laughs) Dog poop. So I had to go grab my shoes just to stop him or something. But anyways, what a little shithead. Stop the deer from just fucking his shit up. (laughs) Yeah. I don't need a vet bill like that right now. (laughs) But yeah, that was was an interesting start to our day. Yeah, it sure was. was. That was fun. Okay, so I've been at Diana's place now. This is, what, day two? Two? I think so. Yes, this day is two. day yeah. two. We had a pretty late night, and then Diana slept in longer than I did, which I'm grateful that you did, because I w- woke up at about, like, 9, 9.30. Oh, okay, which is late for you. Which is late for me, <laughs> but I because we were up so late slash yeah. early in the morning, I barely got, like, any sleep. Aw, but I just, like, I can't help it. I would just, yeah, just wake up. It doesn't matter really how much sleep I've had. Oh, not me. I can just keep sleeping. <laughs> I know, I'm so jealous. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm, like, putting around the house, made coffee, let the dogs out, you know, all that, blah, 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 brush my teeth and stuff and hanging out. And finally, it was, like, 11.30, 11.45. And I'm, like, should I blast country music on Diana's speakers <laughs> and wake her up that way? <laughs> But then I might have a Schnella come flying in my head out her bedroom door. They're like boomerangs, so I could totally whip it out of my bedroom. I would find you in the kitchen. <laughs> and then it comes right back to your yep. hand. Yeah. I, I seriously, seriously contemplated it. I seen your Marley, which is a big like speaker set that she has, and you can it's portable, so you can take it around with you. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yes. And I seen it on the kitchen table and I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I highly contemplated it. Well, you may have been hit with a flying Schnella. If you'd exactly. That. And I could probably do that in my sleep. It would just be automatic response. <laughs> Don't even have to wake up. No, it would just be just a reaction. <laughs> just hear country music and here it comes. I think I'm allergic to it. 
<laughs> I think I might be allergic to country music, but I literally put on a song yesterday. I can't even remember what it was. Oh, it was the song. Damn it, Frank! He just pushed the table. There's okay. probably gonna be like maybe in the recording. Fucking Frank! I put on the song "Hard to Forget" from Sam Hunt, and he's considered a country artist, but to me, he's not country at all. He's country. Oh my god. I put on that and she just started, as usual, griping. Yeah. So we're doing this now? We're listening <laughs> so to Country like, in the Hot Tub? Fine. And so I changed the song. <laughs> God, woman. It's country. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you say. It's not. <laughs> I'll have to agree to disagree. Fine. Fine. <laughs> How are you going to survive at my 30th birthday party? I might have to buy some really good earplugs. I'll mm -hmm. suck it up because it's your birthday. Yeah, yeah, you will. Like I said, I might have to buy noise canceling, <laughs> noise canceling. or I have noise canceling headphones. Just walk around with those things on, or have your own music going on in your headphones. Oh fuck, duh! So, right, you could do that. Just yeah, have your EDM going. I will tolerate it. Yeah, with my own music in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> so then, are you even really tolerating it? I told you, I think I'm allergic to it. <laughs> break out in a rash my mom would always say that my mom hates country too oh really oh she hates it i love you Lori. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you met a baby raccoon i met a baby raccoon on wednesday and she was so cute her name was bandit i'm so jealous right she was adorable this guy he works in construction really nice guy i met him at work he, like he came into my work and we just got talking one thing about the next and then he told me about this baby raccoon he has and i was like oh my god that's so cute Yep. And he rescued her. He found her wandering down the road and no parents were around. And she was just a wee bitty baby when he found her. She had no teeth. And then he's like, if you want to come take a look, she's in my truck. And I was like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> and she was so precious. She was so tiny Aww. and just walking around in her crate. And he has a beautiful husky named Trooper. And Trooper was in the backseat of his truck. Yeah. Gorgeous dog. Oh my God. I want to give a shout out to his company. Wolves and Wonders, contracting. So Aww. shout out to Kevin and Trooper. Yeah. I'll have to follow him. Yeah. I love raccoons. They are just the funniest creatures. They're, they're so, so funny. cute. Yeah, they're adorable. Their little hands when they grab stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's just like little teeny weeny people hands. It's so funny. I have raccoons. You've seen them. Yeah. Around Tons. my house all the time. They're always up in my trees. They're always on my deck. And they love to look in and see all the cats and dogs. Mm -hmm. The other day I was in bed, like just watching some TV and I had my screen door open and a raccoon waddled up to the window, but he's used to, or she, I don't know what it was, the screen door being closed. And then when he realized it was just a screen, he went, <gasps> and then took off. <laughs> and I couldn't grab my phone fast enough to take pictures, but I have so many. They're so, so, so cute. They are. Yeah. They used to be afraid to come up to my windows because I'm sure a lot of people shoo them away, but... They know that I absolutely love them, so they will come up to my windows and just stare. But I love it when it's the mama and her babies. Yeah. I get to see them grow up. Remember that time you and I and Jamie were in the basement down here and they yeah. kept coming up and then they'd see us and like, oh, and they deke away and then yeah. they come back. Yeah. They were so funny and it was their mom with their babies. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah, they're, they're so curious. Cute. Yeah, they're super curious animals. Yeah. I would have done anything to meet. What's her name again? Bandit. Bandit. I would have Troopers. done anything to meet Troopers the dog. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Bandit. <laughs> I would have done anything to meet Bandit and hold her. Oh my God. I'm sure you could eventually. I'm sure I will. I want to hold your raccoon. He offered for me to hold her, but I was like, I've got to get back into work. I know. I no idea how bad I want to hold her. I, w I would have lost my job just to hold. <laughs> just to hold the baby <laughs> just to raccoon. Hold a baby raccoon. <laughs> Fire me. I don't give a shit. <laughs> so it's super raining again today. And I love it because we don't generally get rain here it's Not very a lot. very dry climate but places are flooding oh yeah mill creek is flooded has flooded mm -hmm. 
Yeah, the airport overflow parking lot has flooded. Yep. And I'm sure there are other places. Like, once Mill Creek starts flooding over, everywhere is going to fucking flood. Oh, I know. Because it's pretty flat down there, right? Yeah. And there's a bunch of homes. Oh, yeah. Along there. That's why I was saying to Josh, like, I would love to live by the water somewhere. But, like, have the house on stilts. Like, being <laughs> right? far out of the water. So if it does flood, you're not affected. Totally. It's nice. But then you're running the risk. Mm-hmm. And then when was that other flood we had? Three years ago? Oh, it was longer than that. I was going to mention that. I think it was mm. in 2017. I'm pretty sure that's when it, it was a spring. No, because of... I was in Portugal in 2017. I'm pretty sure. Well, I still had whiskey and she was at the new farm oh. behind the airport. And that was in 2017. Okay, so that is different. We had another one like a few years ago. Remember the beaches were all like those big sandbags? Yeah, I thought the that was in 2017 when that happened. No, there was another one. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. That happened very recently. Maybe so. that was in 2018 then. I don't know. Because it was not 2019 and it wasn't no. 2020 or 2020. No, it wasn't. So, so maybe it, it was 2018. It had to have been 20, probably the spring of 2018 where maybe. Kelowna flooded horrifically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because of all the, like we had a lot of snow that year. Yeah, we had tons. Not typical, all the snow melting and just flooded everything our beaches basically our summer we had no beaches <laughs> no the uh cement picnic tables at how do you say it not gyro euro 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 beach <laughs> euro beach the cement picnic tables there were completely submerged not the tops of them I yeah. don't know, maybe the tops of them were submerged what i don't know tops? either way they were underwater the grass was underwater the steps were underwater everything the railing was underwater like yeah it yeah. was Every part of Kelowna was just, like, gone underwater. Yeah. So that was pretty bad. Our summer was fucked because no one could go to the beach. No. A lot of people were having issues getting their boats in the water mm -hmm. because of it. So hopefully this doesn't continue. Yeah, for sure. This definitely needs to calm down, especially after the horrific summer last year, those fires. Yeah. Oh, my God. Kelowna usually gets forest fires, but last year was exceptionally horrible. The whole province Yeah, was the whole fire. province. It wasn't even just Kelowna. Yeah, all of British Columbia was just up in flames. Yeah. It was awful. And it was so... Remember the fucking smoke here last year? Yeah. It was horrible. Yeah. At least it sort of started to block that crazy heat wave that we had last summer a little bit yeah because it, it was just yeah. so thick in the air yeah it's yeah it finally blocked the heat a bit but it was still just terrible <laughs> so we need the rain but this is just overkill it is overkill but yeah can you imagine you're like hmm do i want smoke in my skies or do i want a heat wave right <laughs> like having to <laughs> pick the lesser of two pick evils. the lesser of two evils yeah well they're saying it's going to be hot but a milder summer which i'm really hoping for me too like, of course, I want it to be warm and sunny and all that jazz, but I don't want it to be crazy hot like it was. But it was across the country. That's right. So it wasn't just us, but it totally did suck. It did suck. We reached temperatures in Kelowna that we never reached in history. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like up at our place, it was 52 degrees. Yeah, every day. What? It was breaking a what record, yeah. like weather record. That was as hot as Bakersfield yeah. when I've been when I went to Bakersfield in California. Yeah. That place is so hot. I don't understand how people can even live there. I don't I don't get it. It was ridiculous. It was so hot that my sister and I and my grandparents kept going into grocery stores and stuff to cool down. Jeez. To just get the fuck out of outside and then it would close and we'd go to another one or we'd literally stand inside of a bank. It was so hot. <laughs> do, 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 do. Seriously. Don't look yeah. suspicious. Yeah, just... don't be suspicious. <laughs>
it sucked oh my god i can't handle heat like that but at least it wasn't humid when you have yeah, the heat wave terrible. and humidity i felt so bad for anybody working outside and because of the heat wave i mean a lot of people weren't obviously none of us expected it that didn't have ac and shit were scrambling to find air conditioners like you Chantel. Oh her god. hands up in the air <laughs> we were scrambling it so was hard. brutal and where you are up in the middle of buttfuck nowhere you have no trees around your house nope. so there was nothing to offer shade and my air conditioner and heater were quite old i'm pretty sure they're they're the original from when i like from the, when the house was built yeah so lucky for me and again this was a total fluke i got both of them replaced in march so pre-heat wave yeah <laughs> because the year prior it was overheating yeah so it would work but then it would shut down and then kick back in. So I was like, okay, I can't, I can't do this next summer. Oh man, I would have died. So I was quite happy <laughs> to have my air conditioning done. And the guy that did my AC and stuff, I spoke with him and he was just like, we can't keep up <laughs> with work because people were fucking panicking. And I, I oh, it was so hot. All right. So it's story time, guys. We're going to rock, paper, scissors. I have a feeling you're going to go first again. <laughs> no, and at this point, I wouldn't be surprised. But I hope it's you. I want you to go first. We can just... Okay, well, we can do it. And then if you're going first, I can just go first. Sure. <laughs> I'm just curious to see. Right? Okay. Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors. No. Paper covers rock. No. See, you win. No. Go. <laughs> so, my story is about Marcel André Henry Felix Petio, a.k.a. The Butcher of Paris. AKA Dr. Satan. Dr. Yeah. Satan? Dr. Satan. This sounds interesting. Yeah. You got me. I'm intrigued. It's an interesting story. My sources, I'm going to cite them Wikipedia, Britannica.com, and Murderpedia.org. Petiot was a French psychopathic, narcissistic serial killer who is responsible for at least 27 murders of people whose remains were found in his basement on March 11th, 1914. He is suspected of killing more than 60 victims during his life, but they don't know exactly how many. He was also an embezzler, con artist, and gang leader. Petio was born on January 17th of 1897 in Aix-Air, Yanni, France. I had to like research how to say all these <laughs> names because I hate pronouncing things wrong. So I researched it and I actually have little like beside all the words. Yeah the phonetic way to say them i do that too because yeah you don't want to pronounce shit wrong and yeah i'm yeah. sure i'm still not getting it 100 right and sorry for anyone that's offended by that but she's trying her best <laughs> not a whole lot was known about his youth except for he was unusually intelligent as a child and exhibited severe behavioral issues when he was 11 years old he fired his father's gun in his classroom and sexually harassed a female classmate when he was a teenager he robbed a mailbox and was later charged with damage of public property and theft petio underwent a psychiatric evaluation resulting in charges being dropped as it was discovered that he had a mental illness and this was reaffirmed by a psychiatrist on march 26th of 1914. after continuously being expelled from school he finished his education in a special academy in Paris in July of 1915. Petio volunteered for the French army in World War I, entering active duty in January of 1916. He was wounded and gassed and exhibited more symptoms of a mental breakdown. He was sent to various rest homes where he was arrested for stealing army blankets, morphine, and other army supplies. He also stole wallets, photographs, and letters. Like, why would you steal photographs yeah, and letters? Why? Like, he's just a klepto. He was jailed in Orleans and was diagnosed with a number of mental problems at the psychiatric hospital in Fleur-le-Aubray, bear with me please, and unfit to stand trial due to insanity. Regardless of his diagnosis, 
He was returned to the front line in June of 1918. He was transferred three weeks later after he allegedly injured his foot with a grenade, but was attached to a new regiment in September. The army finally discharged him with a disability pension. After the war, Petio entered the Accelerated Education Program for War Veterans, completing medical school in eight months, and earned his medical degree in December of 1921. He moved to Villeneuve-sur-Yanni, I hope I said that right, where he operated a business and was funded for his services by his patients and by the government. At this point, Petio was already using addictive narcotics while working in... I keep, I'm not going to keep saying this. Villeneuve Suryani, he gained a reputation for suspicious medical practices, such as supplying narcotics and performing illegal abortions. Petio's first murder victim might have been Louise Delavieux, an elderly patient's daughter whom he had an affair with in 1926. Delavieux disappeared in May of 1926 and neighbors later said they saw Petio load a trunk into his car. Police investigated and dismissed the case. They couldn't find anything. Petio then ran for mayor in that town, because I'm not going to keep saying that name, and hired a man to disrupt a political debate with his opponent. He won the election and while in office embezzled town funds. In 1923, he married Georgette LaBlaze, 23-year-old daughter of a wealthy landowner and butcher. They did have a son the following year. This is literally all I can find about his family. That's it. I don't know if they're divorced. (laughs) I mean, obviously they're all dead now, but there was nothing. Mm -hmm. So anyways, he was married at one point and he had a boy. That's it. The prefect of Yanni received many complaints about Petio's thefts and shady business dealings. He resigned as mayor in August of 1931. Petio had many supporters, which boggles my mind, but he had many supporters and was elected as a councillor of Yanni. Look at Trump. Sorry to interrupt you. Speaking about yeah. a lot of supporters, it blows minds. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah. Adolf Hitler. <laughs> well, fuck. <laughs> Exactly. In 1932, he was accused of stealing electricity from the village to power his property and lost his seat in council. He fled to Paris when he lost that seat to get away from all the angry villagers. In Paris, Petio attracted patients by using fake credentials and built a good reputation for his practice. In 1936, Petio was appointed médecine d'état civil and was assigned to write death certificates. The same year he was institutionalized for kleptomania. (laughs) No shit. Right? And was released the following year. He was literally just taking shit. He sees it. He wants it. He takes it. Sees a garbage can. That (laughs) shit's mine. I want it. (laughs) I could see him walking down the street with a fucking garbage can. So could I. Because, you know, it's... It's not his, and he needs to take it. <laughs> he needs to take it. <laughs> so anyways, he was institutionalized for kleptomania. Was released the following year. After Germany defeated France in 1940, French citizens were drafted for forced labor in Germany, and Petio would provide false disability certificates to these people. He also treated the illnesses of workers who had returned. In July of 1942, he was placed on trial for addictive narcotics prescriptions, but when two addicts testified for the prosecution, they disappeared. He was convicted and fined 2,400 francs. Petio later claimed that he was engaged in resistance activities. There were claims that he invented weapons that killed Germans without leaving forensic evidence, leaving booby traps all over Paris, had meetings with Allied commanders, and worked with a fictitious group of Spanish anti-fascists. Former U.S. spyman Colonel John F. Grombach 
cited Petio as a World War II source for his agency known as The Pond. Petio posed as Dr. Eugene when running his most lucrative con during the occupation of his false escape route. So he created an escape route. Petio pretended to be able to get people, mainly Jewish people, wanted by the Nazis or the Vichy government to safety outside France. He would lie and say he could smuggle people to South America through Portugal and charged each victim 25,000 francs. I don't even know what that would be in our money now, but he had three accomplices, Raoul Fourier, Edmund Pintard, and René Gustave Nezondette that directed victims to Dr. Eugene. Again, he created that alias. Once victims were in his control, Petio told them that the Argentine officials required all entrants to be immunized. And with this ruse, he would inject them with cyanide. He then took all their valuables and disposed of the bodies in the Seine River. After purchasing his own property, he began to burn the bodies or dissolve them in quicklime. The leader of the French Gustapo, it's a secret state police, Henry Lafont returned to Paris with funding from the German military intelligence service Abver and had permission to recruit new members. The Gustapo found out about Petio's escape route. They assumed it was part of the resistance, but it wasn't, but they assumed that. Gustapo agent Robert Jodkum forced a prisoner named Yvonne Dreyfus to approach the network and he disappeared. Another informer successfully infiltrated the operation and the Gustapo arrested Petio's three accomplices. They were brutally tortured and confessed that Dr. Eugene was actually Marcel Petio. The accomplice Nezondette was later released, but the other two spent eight months in prison with three other men being tortured for information. They were suspected of helping Jews to escape. They didn't identify any of the other members of the resistance because they didn't know because it was not affiliated with it. They were released in January of 1944. After the release, Petio's neighbors complained to the police of foul smells in the area and a lot of smoke coming out of his chimney. They feared it was a chimney fire, so police called for firemen to investigate. They entered the house and found a coal stove was ablaze in the basement. Throughout the basement and in the fire, they found human remains. They also found remains in the quicklime pit in the backyard and in a canvas bag. They found the remains of at least 10 people that day. They also found assorted property of his victims scattered throughout his house. The Gustapo arrested all of Petio's family as accessories after the fact. So when they say his family, I'm assuming his wife and son. But I mean, he was a baby. <laughs> Can they arrest a baby? <laughs> Throw the baby guts on him. Yeah. <laughs> So I have no idea what that in like what family is, but they were all arrested, baby included. <laughs> Can you? I'm just picturing that. Yeah, I picture little baby handcuffs. This is a wild one. He Watch him. Pacifier in his mouth or whatever they used. <laughs> so oh. they arrested his whole family as accessories after the fact, while Petio hid with friends for seven months by lying that the Gestapo wanted him for killing Germans and informers. Like, what a nice guy. Right. <laughs> like, just let my family fucking take a baby and all. Yeah, baby and all. <laughs> <laughs> he then hid with a patient named George Rideau and grew a beard, adopting various aliases, so trying to change his appearance. When Paris was liberated in 1944, Petio adopted the name Captain Henry Valerie. 
He's such a fucking... He's so all over the place. He's giving me whiplash. I know. (laughs) What is even happening anymore? No, I don't know. But Captain Henry Valerie joined the FFI, which is the French Forces of the Interior. He was in charge of counter-espionage and prisoner interrogations. The Resistance newspaper published an article about Patio and his defense attorney from 1942, that narcotics case that he had, received a letter from him claiming that the published allegations were all lies. From this letter, the police knew he was most likely still in Paris. So they played on his ego and organized a search with Captain Henry Valerie among those that were drafted to find him. Tell me you're a douchebag without telling me you're a douchebag. Right. Change your name to fucking Captain. <laughs> what a D-bag. It's a D-bag. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go on. That's fine. Despite the changes in his appearance, Petio was recognized at a Paris metro station and arrested. On his person, they found a pistol, uh, 31,700 francs, and 50 sets of identity documents. <laughs> 50 sets of them. How big were his man's pockets? Holy shit. Right? <laughs> Petio was imprisoned at La Sante prison. He pretended he was innocent and that he had only killed enemies of France. He said he discovered the remains at his home and blamed his three accomplices and that he collaborated with members of his resistance network. However, the police found that Petio had no affiliations in any of the major resistance groups and some of the resistance groups he mentioned had never existed. So... He's a klepto and a fucking pathological liar. He has the best of all mental disorders. Yeah. He is a captain, so. Yeah, he's a captain. <laughs> captain. And a doctor. I still can't believe he actually became a doctor. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like mean. a psychopath and a narcissist. Yep. That is a doctor. Petio was charged with at least 27 murders for profit, estimating he robbed at least 200 million francs. Petio's trial started on March 19th of 1946, and he faced 135 criminal charges. He was represented by Rene Floriot, I hope I said that right, against a team consisting of state prosecutors and 12 lawyers hired by the relatives of his victims. Petio taunted the prosecutors and alleged that the victims had been Germans, collaborators, or double agents, and that any vanished people were alive and well in South America under new aliases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He confessed to murdering as many as 63 people, including 19 of the 27 victims found in his home, and claimed that they were enemies, Germans, and collaborators. The official estimation of murders is unknown, unfortunately, but he killed a lot of people. His lawyer tried to portray Petio as a resistance hero, <laughs> but the judges and jurors were not impressed and not convinced. There was no hesitation to find Petio guilty of all charges. He was convicted of 26 counts of murder and sentenced to death. His beheading was delayed to March 25th of 1946 due to a problem with the release mechanism of the guillotine. Wow. (laughs) How, like, nerve-wracking is that? I mean, he probably didn't even give a shit, but you know you're going to die and all of a sudden, well, not today, bud. (laughs) It's going to happen later. (laughs) Uh, Anyway. So on the 25th, he was beheaded and is buried in ivory cemetery and that's the story of captain narcissist right and all the other the butcher of paris that's crazy that's sad so all these people were going to him hoping to get help yeah again mainly jewish people is there were some officers and stuff in that mix but 99 percent of them were jewish people just wanting to escape yeah 
And then he would fucking inject them with cyanide. Unbelievable. Yeah. What a psycho. Yep. And like I said, there's no mention of any other family, like any of, except for him, his wife and baby getting arrested. <laughs> I'm guessing it's, I don't know. Slap the cuffs yeah. on that three month old. On that three month old. Yeah. Kind of scary. That and is... that's my story. Well, very well done. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. Yeah. All right. I'm going to share mine. I named my story Inflicting Fear. And I will cite my sources to start with. So I gathered information from the starphoenix.com, CBC Saskatchewan, Bear Paw Media Productions, and CTV News and Global News. All right. So my third story is going to be primarily about a gang in Saskatchewan called the Terror Squad. I will also briefly mention a couple other Saskatchewan gangs as well, but mostly I'm focusing on the Terror Squad themselves. I plan on covering the other gangs more in depth in later episodes. So who is the Terror Squad? They are a group of downtrodden individuals who, like most gang members, have had a difficult life and have often been forced against their will at a very young and impressionable age into an existence of drug and alcohol abuse and domestic violence. Unfortunately, this reality is all these people know, and it's pretty universal for all gang members to attempt to find a sense of belonging and family and brother and sisterhood. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, those core values are lost in a spiral and perpetuation of more drug and alcohol abuse and violence. Psychological abuse, crime, rape, and murder. The terror squad consists of a tier of ranking members. The highest level of the structure is referred to as council. Then there's a level below them known as city council. They report to the council regarding business activity. The lowest ranks who are referred to as soldiers. Terror Squad resides prominently within Saskatoon, Prince Albert, and North Battleford. When I was in all three of those cities, I never seen any of them to my knowledge, but who knows? Maybe I did. Maybe I walked by one. I, I was I was going to ask, is this recent? What you're talking about? Is this... It's still ongoing. It's still ongoing. Oh, yeah. They, oh, okay. they were established in 2006, and it's just getting worse. Oh, Saskatchewan fuck. is pretty rampant with gangs. Like, it's bad. There's multiple gangs, and my friend who lives in Prince Albert... He told me that there's like a newer gang there that's been pretty bad. They're all probably just pissed off because it's so flat there. <laughs> Sorry. They could see each other run away for days. <laughs> right? Sorry. That's okay. All right. So, yeah, the Terror Squad resides prominently within Saskatoon, Prince Albert, and North Battleford. Terror Squad has their own silent ways of communicating, such as a T and S tattoo that closely resembles a money sign. They will also throw out their gang signs of TNS silently to defend their home turf. And of course, they will graffiti on property. The gang also has colors referred to as a flag. They typically dress in white and black and are given a black and white paisley bandana by council after successfully being jumped into the gang. Hmm. Being jumped into the gang is referred to as minute, where new members are literally beaten for a whole minute. This method is extremely violent and has led to the hospitalization or death of new prospects. Jesus. Oh, yeah. A whole minute. Whole minute. It doesn't their sound ass like a lot. Down. Oh, but it fucking is. It's a long time. If you're getting your ass beat by three dudes, yeah. Well, sorry. To or like, even if it's women. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's going to fucking hurt. solid minute. This yeah. reminds me, it's totally not related to your story, but when I was in grade six, yeah. my teacher wanted us to do a speech, like write a speech to talk in front of the class for a minute and we all kind of giggled like what are we gonna talk for a minute so she made us sit there s silently and timed a minute 
And it was like, it felt like forever. Yeah. So anyway, just, that was just a memory that came back. <laughs> Not that I was being beaten for a solid minute, but like, <laughs> it was torture talking for a solid minute i was gonna say that'd be torture for you though because you don't like public speaking i do not i have severe yeah i have severe anxiety and it was the worst minute of my life yeah i can imagine you it poor was bad. thing it was I, bad. I feel for people who struggle with public speaking yeah because if you have to in school and stuff it was oh god yeah i almost passed out i remember yeah, the teacher made I me believe it had me sit down because i was like i she goes the color just drained from your face i'm mm -hmm. like because you made me do something i absolutely fucking dread yeah. doing yeah anyway i had a girl in grade eight i think it was in our english class and she was shaking so bad and her voice was shaking yeah i felt so bad for her you could just tell her anxiety was just like skyrocketing yeah my voice does the same like it gets so shaky yeah that i can't keep speaking i have passed out before like doing public speaking and stuff it depends on right what the hell are you doing he's trying to get comfortable under all the sheets there <laughs> Jesus. Sorry, go on. It's horrible. I wish I didn't feel this way. I have gotten a lot better about smaller groups. Well, I have to get you to a a, a comfortable point. Stop it, Frank. Yeah. You're pushing my table now, you little fucker. So I've like... For when we tour. Yeah, we're just gonna have to blindfold me, I think. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so I can't see anybody. Yeah, pretty much. Just blindfold me, hand me a microphone, and I'll pretend and it's yep. just me and you. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yep. Yep, I like it. All right, so council will give soldiers what's called a mission to carry out, or just mission. A mission means a gang member is supposed to terrorize someone, typically a rival gang member, such as Indian Posse or Hustle Crew. Missions can also refer to business being carried out involving drugs, weapons, or property. Missions are also a chance for new or low-ranking members to prove themselves and move up in the hierarchy. The gang often uses women as drug meals or a form of transaction themselves. Or will directly place women in the position of taking financial transactions in their own home, directly putting them and their potential children in danger with addicts, rival gangs, and police raids. Hmm. Whether they're guilty by association or not, anyone in a gang has a target on their back and a very high likelihood of ending up with a record. Back in the earlier days of the terror squad, women had very little to no respect with, within the gang. Women were referred to as nothing more than a mattress, which is so heartbreaking all on its own. According to an article from September of 2018, mm -hmm. there is more gender equality now, but back in the early days, the male members had a horrifying amount of power over the women. Mm -hmm. If male members wanted their girlfriend to have sex with another woman or man, she had to, or she'd be severely beaten or raped. If he wanted to rape her, she had to submit. If he wanted to have sex with multiple other women, she had to allow it. Sexually pleasing your boyfriend and i use boyfriend very yeah. lightly in these senses that's horrible yeah in a gang was of the utmost importance and expectation of women mm -hmm. i'm sure that influence is still heavily present in both terror squad and other gangs to this day as most of us know gang members need a sense of power and control that's why they do what they do it's psychology they've come from some heavily influenced environment where they were not only robbed of basic human needs physically emotionally mentally and financially they then resorted to an outlet that gives them an illusion of control. But that's the reality of these gangs. Everything members and aspiring prospects believe to be a reality is simply an illusion. The reality is much darker and traumatic. They're still poor. They're still surrounded by the same toxic and deadly environment that they were as a child. None of the scenery or events change. It's just a slightly different script. That's horrible. Yeah. And to make matters even worse, many times their fellow gang members are kids that they grew up with. Oh. 
And so they can get killed by their friends that they grew up with. They can end up killing their friends that they grew up with if they end up in a different gang, like a rival gang, yeah. like Indian Posse or Hustle Crew or independent gangsters. These are kids that they grew up with. They know their parents. Ugh. It's horrifying. Police surveillance and presence with gangs in Saskatchewan is very heavy and prominent. They have discovered ways of infiltrating through informants, law enforcement agencies, and social media. As of 2018, there were over 200 members of the terror squad who were active in Saskatoon, North Battleford, and Prince Albert, including incarcerated members. I'm sure those numbers have risen since then. Saskatoon Police Department have commented on the severity of gang activity in the province and its growing presence. Even though Canada is a lenient country when it comes to throwing the book at people and harsh punishments, Canadian law will crack down on gang members really hard. Flurry T. Jr., who was an inmate at Remand Centre, was a member of independent gangsters at only 15 years old, brought in by his older brother Cecil T., who was also an inmate at Remand Centre. Flurry had no previous record and ended up with a potential sentence of 15 years with eight on top. From what I could gather, this was due to more than 150 charges being laid against possible suspects in a brutal attack on innocent kids. Now, it didn't directly tie Flurry to these charges, but it insinuated that he was a part of this. Mm, okay. And I couldn't find anything else on that to support whether he was or wasn't, but it seemed like that's what why he was being charged heavily charged with this sentence. Okay. I couldn't find any information on either Cecil or Flurry or regarding details of either of their past or current lives. However, I truly hope that they have turned their lives around and do their part to help Aboriginal disadvantaged youth who are struggling with a life of gang activity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if they're still in jail. I couldn't even find which remand center they were in because there's one in Alberta, there's one in Saskatchewan, I think there's one in Ontario, I think a few other provinces. I couldn't find a shred of information on them, which is also sad. Their story deserves to be heard unless they did something really horrific. Of course, yeah. But I feel like their story still deserves to be heard. Yeah. And they're victims. They're victims too of gang being pushed into a gang yeah. as kids and stuff. Yeah. It's just a really fucked up life. It's so sad. Okay, so on October 14th, 2016, Shaylin Sutherland Casey's, a member of Terror Squad, fatally shot and beat 26-year-old Dylan Phillips, and both his parents were beaten with a fence board and a gun by two other Terror Squad members while trying to save their son's life in their own home, which falls within Terror Squad's drug territory. Jeez. None of the victims were affiliated with any gang or crime activity. Their home just happened to fall within the wrong territory. Ugh, that's horrible. Yep. Shaylin was charged with second-degree murder, which carries a mandatory life sentence of 25 years, but can have parole eligibility between 10 to 25 years. Crown demanded 15 years no chance of parole due to the horrific nature of the beatings and murder, as well as her previous charges of dangerous driving and kidnapping, and she was banned from owning guns during the time of this murder. Shaylin, from what I understand, will be eligible for parole in 2031. Okay. In 2019, Terror Squad's counsel gave their 17-year-old member a mission to retaliate against rival gang Indian Posse. This arrest was a week after Winston Little Crow died from a gunshot wound in December of 2019. Little Crow was from Whitecap, Dakota First Nations and is described as a devoted family man and father of five children. Winston is remembered as a very kind person who would have done anything to help someone. Little Crow was a previous gang member but had no active criminal ties at the time of his murder. Winston was found wounded and then died in the hospital. Oh. And I was so sad. These stories are so heartbreaking. 
I had no idea any of this was going on. Oh, yeah. And it's so recent, too. Yeah, yeah, it still goes on. It's just getting worse there. Oh. It makes me a little bit concerned that, like, when I was in Saskatchewan and Prince Albert, yeah. I went wandering around by myself. I had no idea if I was in some turf I shouldn't have been in. No. I had no idea. And I went off by myself while my friend, he was at work, like, all yeah. day. Yeah. And so I was by myself. So I was like, all right, I have no wheels. And so I'll just set out on foot. Was he aware of all this stuff going on? Uh, of the gangs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He knows about the gangs. And he didn't, he didn't tell you? <laughs> I, I don't think it came to came to mind for him. I and guess I'm it's sure just he's so normal. used to it. Yeah, he's yeah. so used to it yeah. that... Yeah, it's definitely a different life in Saskatchewan, let me tell you. It is a lot different than British Columbia. I Like, culture shock to the fullest degree there. I have no idea. I had no idea, because I do know people that live out there. Yeah. I've got some family, extended family, that lives out there, and I'm going to be reaching out to them. It can like, be pretty rough. What the fuck? Yeah. I, make, I mean, I always poke fun at them because it's Saskatchewan and it's so fucking flat. But now I'm not going to poke fun at it, but I'm going to be like, dudes... What the hell? What's going on over What's there? What's going on over there? But I mean, it's kind of almost the same. I shouldn't say it's so br- different from British Columbia because we have places like that here too, like East Hastings and Vancouver. Everywhere Holy has, crap. Yeah. Everywhere so, has their, exactly. their thing. Everywhere so. has their thing. But yeah, Saskatchewan is a different breed. Yep. So in 2020, 20-year-old Indian posse member Craig Glaude was sentenced to nine and a half years in prison after fatally shooting 25-year-old terror squad member Andrew Morasti while in a parking lot. And it seemed to be just, I mean, I'm sure there was other deeper things involved. Of course, there were in gangs, there had to have been other issues. But literally what kicked this death off, they were both on bikes. One scene that they had, or I think it's a red and white flag, mm-hmm. like the bandana. And then, of course, the terror squad member had a black and white flag. Boom, it was on. What the fuck? I know. And it's like, why? Why? I know. Like, why? Why? It's so sad. It's so fuck. sad. That's it's, horrible. It's heartbreaking. It breaks my heart that people who come from these really disadvantaged communities mm-hmm. and situations that this is all they know and this is what they usually turn to and it's heartbreaking it is and like you said it's all they know so yeah what other life are you gonna have you yeah. just gravitate towards that yeah and especially when you're surrounded by people who aren't willing to help you yep. there's no one to pull you out yeah you need someone to pull you out kudos to anybody who can pull themselves out yeah and demand change within their life and beat the odds but a lot of people don't and they need that outsider to pull them out of this dark hole so sad and it's just yeah it's heartbreaking on march 5th 2020 terror squad member tyler vanderwater was charged with second degree murder of chris van camp in the prince albert penitentiary the reason for murdering van camp is still unknown due to the silence of gang code Vander Water stabbed Van Camp more than 60 times with makeshift shivs and shanks. Hmm. These are just a few of the countless and senseless murders carried out by the terror squad and other gangs. It's a horrible perpetuating cycle of violence. The vicious cycle can also be perpetuated by corrupt police forces, which the Saskatoon Police Department is no stranger with. It's been reported by gang members that police will drive them out for starlight tours in the middle of winter taking First Nations people's jackets and shoes from them and leaving them in sub-freezing temperatures to almost certainly die due to hypothermia. I will cover a story of Starlight Tours in a later episode. Yep. I have it written, and these racially charged acts of violence from police only further the struggle of gang activity and violence within the Aboriginal communities, not to mention massive distrust with authority, specifically police. Mm -hmm. And that's not helping anyone. It just keeps this vicious cycle running. Not to mention there is a generational issue in Terror Squad and many other gangs. 
fathers are a part of the gang and then their sons end up looking up to these idols and i use that word idols very lightly toxic generational cycles are prominent with my people and there needs to be strong intervention that is put in place there is hope in 2000 an ex-gang member by the name of rob pappen created the organization gang intervention and prevention he helped steer youth away from gang-related activities and help actual gang members get out and most importantly stay out as rob said in a documentary getting out is easy staying out is the hard part yep Derek Powder, an ex-member of Independent Gangsters, turned to Rob for intervention and rehab and was very successful with his reform from being a diehard gang member. In fact, Rob and Derek have teamed up together. In 2000, Rob also founded the Edmonton Native Alliance, which is a grassroots organization intended to encourage and promote constructive, healthy, and drug-free family-oriented lifestyles for First Nations youth. This program developed into a privately funded operation called the Gang Awareness Intervention Network. This includes everything from drug counseling to court advocacy. Powder explained to Rob of his struggles with an impoverished life as a child and a violent home life. Much like those hardships, Derek expressed his struggles with counselors who would never get to the root of the issue. They would never ask Derek how his home life was, mm -hmm. what he was being exposed to every day in his community, or whether he was being cared for and loved or being met with basic necessities. All they would say to him was, stop doing drugs, stop drinking, followed by his usual response of, fuck you, why should I? Why do you care? Which is a fair retort. Yep. Totally fair. I agree. <laughs> Absolutely. Why should I stop? What yeah. What better is there? Yep. Give me a reason why. Yeah. Naturally, Derek and many other men and women who were in the same situation grew very frustrated with these statements that didn't serve help or serve them. These men and women need an alternative. They need a way out. They need to heal their inner child and know that they matter and are worthy of goodness and love. These are broken people who were disadvantaged at conception. This isn't to say that these people shouldn't strive for more or are incapable of a better life, but most of the time they need an outsider or ideally a previous insider turned outsider to give them the hand up and out that they desperately need. My closing statement is a quote from Rob. You can take the person off the street, but you can't take the street out of the person. So that's the story of Terror Squad. I had no idea. Yeah. And then I'll be covering more gangs yeah. later on. Yeah. But yeah. Hey, sorry. Go ahead. No, it just... Wow. Yeah. Like, I had no idea. I found all this out, actually, and I totally forgot I, about it. I actually was going to ask. I was yeah. like, how did you come across this? I totally forgot about this. But when I was in Saskatchewan with my friend, and then we were in Prince Albert, where he lives, and then we ended up going to North Battleford. Mm -hmm. I remember hearing that it was, like, at one time for quite a while, the most dangerous city in Canada. And mm -hmm. so I'm like, great. <laughs> and so I'm laying on his mom's couch and I'm researching the shit out of North Battleford. Yeah. And getting more and more scared as a minute goes by. You go down the rabbit hole and yep. all this shit keeps coming out. And so I just went way down that rabbit hole and then found out about all these gangs in Saskatchewan. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. And then, yeah, I totally forgot about it. And then when I was trying to think of episode three, I was like, okay, I have a few ideas. And then I was like. The gangs. The gangs. Well, at first I was actually going to write about murders in North Battleford because there's so many homicides in North Battleford. It's insane. So the whole point of this is do not move to Saskatchewan. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Jesus. Pretty much. That's 
wow, scary. There is beauty there, though. There is definitely sure beauty in Saskatchewan. Like, I did the most touristy thing possible because I'd never been to the prairies. Yeah. And it was so flat that I was just, like, mind-blown like how I flat said, it was. Like I said, you could see someone running for days. Yeah, for three days, see your dog still <laughs> running down the down the, uh, the straw field. So I did the most touristy thing possible on the way to the airport. My friend Billy pulls off the highway because I told him, I was like, you have to take a picture of me out in a straw field. And that's literally, literally what we did. We pulled over. I went out to the middle of the straw field, was honestly a little bit afraid of getting shot. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I was fearful. I was standing in some farmer's straw field. Yeah. Right. And then also you have to be careful of when it's been cut because you don't want to kill it by walking on it. No. So I tiptoeing out to the middle of the straw field and stood there just gleaming like the biggest tourist ever. <laughs> and Billy got a picture of me out there. That's funny. Yeah. I do not remember seeing that photo. I'll it's have to been show a while. it to you. It's I don't know if I have showed it to you. I haven't really Ooh. showed you any pictures of my Saskatchewan trip. Yeah, you showed me. Did I? It was Halloween, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so I saw fun. those photos. I saw the Halloween. Oh, I did show you the Halloween photos. Yeah. Okay. I remember seeing those. I wasn't sure if I really showed show them. I haven't even shared them on Facebook or anywhere. No. I should. Yeah, why not? I know. I totally should. I got some really good pictures because Saskatchewan is actually quite beautiful. I've heard it that is it is. Beautiful. So yeah, I want to see you standing in a cornfield or wheat field or whatever kind of field, well, stock field, a wheat field, whatever field, cornfield. It was some sort of field. A field. It was a field. <laughs> but yeah, it's a good picture. I'm just like. Do you see anyone in the background, kilometers oh. away? Like, in, I'm kidding. Cause oh, I, oh I was like, no. <laughs> I see what you mean. Because you can just see, like I said, for days. Yeah. Anyone from Saskatchewan listening to this, I know you hate my guts right now, but you know I'm right. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm you right. You know I'm right. <laughs> And the wind, oh my God. When I got to Saskatchewan in October, I went there for Halloween. I was in Saskatchewan for nine or 10 days. Something like that. I yeah. was it was like a week a, and a half-ish. Yeah, I was gone for a while. And when I got there, a snowstorm hit. Mm -hmm. There was advisories to stay all off of all the highways in Saskatchewan. So we literally couldn't do anything. And there's nothing to do in Prince Albert. So we really had nothing to do. Company was nice. Like totally. we still enjoy company and with my friend and his daughter, but... We couldn't go do anything. Yeah. And then we were going to go to this haunted corn maze and we got there and it was closed due to the snowstorm. Thanks, Canada. That makes sense. Yeah, it was closed. <laughs> we were like, fuck, man. And the wind there is just insane. It wasn't too bad. Like, it was cold and it was snowing, obviously, it, when I was there. But it was bearable because it's very dry in Saskatchewan. Very dry climate. And so it was bearable, even though it was really cold. It was pretty bearable. But then as soon as that wind picked up, it takes your soul with it. I'm surprised you didn't see people flying all over Saskatchewan. <laughs> like Cecily getting yeah. launched to Kelowna. <laughs> Seriously. My people need me. Yeah. Surprised I didn't see like a cat getting blown down the road. Fuck. Yeah, the wind there is just bananas. It like would... worse than up at your place? It, I would say it's about the same. When the wind really blows up there, it's about the same in Saskatchewan. About okay. that. But I'm sure it can even get faster in Saskatchewan yeah. because it's so flat. Yeah. So it probably the wind, like I, when the wind is really bad at our place, like when we have a windstorm, it's definitely over a hundred kilometers an hour. So it's probably like that there Yeah. on normal day in Saskatchewan. Well, I finally witnessed the wind up there. Cause I mean, it's been windy when I've been up there, but not like this. I got out of my truck. I could barely <laughs> open the door to get out. Yeah. That <laughs> I was, was like, like a windstorm. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. <laughs> 
I could barely get out. Yeah. And then I had some stuff in the back seat I needed to pull out and I could I could barely open the door. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like laughing my ass off because it was so dumb. So dumb. I know. <laughs> like, what is going on? And then at some point they have a trampoline outside and, sh- and Cecily was came to me or to us and was like, can I go play on the t- trampoline? And I was like, yeah, if you want to fly out to Kelowna <laughs> from there. <laughs> It was so funny. One bounce. And she just looked at me like, what? what? We got it. Yeah. We laughed. It was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Now you know what it, like what I meant when Cecily, the wind literally knocked her over on the Sunday. I believe it. And she got knocked down and I was pregnant and clutching the railing. <laughs> A pregnant woman. I know. And every time you tell me that story, I feel horrible because I laugh because oh, I can I know. picture it's hilarious. it. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's wow. But yeah, no, I experienced it. And I was like, again, laughing so hard because it was so dumb. I'm like, yeah. I can't open my fucking door <laughs> to get out. <laughs> yeah, the wind up there is brutal. Brutal. Crazy. Yeah. I can't imagine living in the prairies where it's flat and the wind's it. picking up like that all no, the time. I couldn't do it. Again, I'm surprised you don't see people flying all over the province. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. It's crazy. The wind in Saskatchewan was just bananas. It would go from like minus 18 to like minus 28 in yeah blink of an eye i believe it yeah it was it was crazy that's nuts yeah <laughs> well don't move to saskatchewan nope and i'm sorry for everyone that's like hating my guts right now because i'm saying that billy come back to bc yeah why the fuck did you move no i'm kidding <laughs> what's wrong with you <laughs> well i know we should be mentioning all of our handles and stuff and we always forget so i'm just I gonna know remind we do Fuck. so i'm gonna remind people we're on instagram yep we're on twitter not that like i hate twitter by the way everyone like yeah. i so hate tw- i don't understand twitter Me but either. we're on it yeah we're on twitter <laughs> we will use it begrudgingly yes facebook so just look up my ride or die or my ride or die podcast on twitter it's my ride or die pod p-o-d yeah. just because they only allow you a certain amount of characters because they like, suck go fuck yourself twitter i know so my ride or die pod on twitter but yes please follow us please like us please share yeah and i know a lot of people have i've received so many messages and i right? know you have it's so great oh you guys have no idea how much we appreciate this like yes when we see you know like more downloads more views and stuff like we lose it we we do we so like grateful little for our, our little listeners. we're like giddy little kids yeah seriously <laughs> like we've already said like oh my god when we reach this many we have to celebrate when we get our blue check mark we're fucking celebrating yes it's like, gonna be a party yeah. the whole time our listeners mean the world to us yes. you guys mean the world to us we love you guys and if you have any suggestions of topics please email us yes and diane i'm gonna get you to say the email because i can't remember if there's pod or podcast yes. at the end it's my ride or die podcast, podcast at yeah. gmail.com that's it yeah so yeah send us ideas of what you want us to talk about because we need topics in the beginning too like it's nice to talk about our day-to-day shit and like Frank fighting does and you know <laughs> me seeing animals run across the road and not knowing what species it is. But we know or we need rather other topics to talk about. And if you guys have funny shit or you want us to tell funny stories of your own, mm-hmm. send them in. How amazing would it be to be the first person to write in? Right? How amazing would that be? Yeah. So there you go. There's homework for you guys. Ooh. Someone be the first person to write us. We'll send you a plaque. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, my ride or die podcast at gmail.com. Yes. Email it. Do it. Peace out, bitches. Bye. Bye.